0: hello and welcome to the trinity western university alumni spotlight podcast i'm your host jonathan fair and today's guest is danielle funston executive vice president of blueprint technologies in september of 2019 she was named one of the puget sound business journals top 40 under 40. as a highly successful business leader and entrepreneur I was excited to chat with her about her journey through the business world and to learn how her experiences at Trinity Western University shaped who she is today. Uh, your name came across my desk a couple months ago um, after the, I, think, I believe it was the um, 40 under 40 or 30 sure Mm yeah I think getting a couple of those Um, really cool see a lot of our alumni are getting nominated for awards like that
1: yeah yeah it's exciting
0: Um, so what did you study when you were in university
1: I studied psychology um, and then I also intend well it's an interesting path I started off as a computer science major Um, for a very brief time because it was always interesting to me and it was something I was good at. And then I will never forget. I tell this story all the time. Um, Now I, I forgot for many years, but I, uh, I remember the professor, one of them um, standing up in those early days and saying, okay, look to your left, look to your right. Here's who you'll spend, you know, your next four years with or whatever. (laughs) And and for your core studies. Um, And I didn't feel at all, um, I'll say the thing I loved about Trinity, it was never an environment where I felt in any way outside. It wasn't because of the environment. It just is the nature of still uh, a major like that. I looked to my left and my right and I saw a lot of, uh, men and not a lot else. And, um, and people that I just didn't know if I had shared interests with. And not that that entirely matters when you're looking at your studies, but also, you know, you're going to connect with and need to connect with these people over time and you're going to need to engage and, um, you're going to grow with them and you're going to grow from them. And it's not to say I couldn't have, I just remember my, you know, whatever, 18 year old self kind of going, I don't know what that looks like for four years. So I, um, I ended up actually switching and then dabbling in, um, It was, uh, I think at the time we called it natural sciences, but essentially it was biochem. So life sciences along with chemistry. Um, I didn't end up pursuing um, my degree there. I wanted to at one point, but I just, I ended up following through the psychology path. It was always really interesting to me, the balance of human behavior and interaction um, and specifically how that plays out and how we tune and learn to manage that in high stress scenarios and in the business world. And I just, yeah, it was always fascinating to me. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, why did you choose to study at Trinity in the first place?
1: You know, it was interesting. I had a, um, that is a, somewhat long story, I'll say. I had a very non-traditional background. I ended up being adopted at 12, um, by my maternal grandmother who also was, um, not particularly well. Um, I had never even heard of or stepped in a church until I was 16 and it was all on my own accord. It was kind of, I, I, another one of those moments you don't forget where you're like, there must be something else here. This doesn't seem right. Like the way we're, we're doing things. And at least in my family, I had, there was a lot of, um, yeah, my family, it was, uh, Pretty broken, and I saw that, and I knew I didn't know what looked right. I just knew I didn't want to continue in that scenario. Um, so when I started to actually pull together a vision for what a different life might look like, college was part of that. Um, I again looked around and I went, "Well, no one in my family is even even would have had the option. Like that just wasn't even on the table between addiction and all sorts of other things." Um, So that was a, okay, I don't know what right is, but it seems like maybe that would be a good way to go. Um, and I started to kind of do some research around what it would take to be able to go to college. And that was certainly not easy either given funding and everything was difficult. Um, and there was a personality aspect there an evaluation of my own situation and my, um, upbringing to that point and not really knowing if a large university scenario with, um, sort of undefined uh and i guess otherwise normalized social patterns that could have been really unhealthy for me which i, I mean it, we all know we you mature and you grow up and you're like there's it's there's lots of people who go through that and it's not a horribly lost path like there's nothing wrong with going to a large university i got into university of washington for instance um i could have gone there i could have joined some of my friends and joined a sorority or something and it likely would have been fine. Um, That said, I didn't know. (laughs) So I remember thinking I needed to look at a different scenario as I was trying to stay on this path of getting out of a bad family situation. Um, And my boyfriend at the time um, is, and he's actually my husband now, but my boyfriend at the time, his older sister was at Trinity. And so we had both applied to a few schools, again, including University of Washington, which is right here in Seattle. Um, We went and visited her And, um, it felt, it felt, uh, I don't know if I know the right words. It felt for me manageable. That's probably not the best way to characterize it, but it felt like I could focus on what I was trying to do and trying to kind of put these rails and these boundaries up around a life that would get me away from, um, what my life looked like before, or I guess what I was stuck in the middle of before as a child. Um, And then it felt very, I felt like I had a lot of support and a lot of, there are a lot of pieces there that I felt like I wouldn't have at just a huge university experience. So that makes sense. Yeah. So that's how I got there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Really cool. So do you, do you feel, um, the things that you learned at Trinity, did that set you up well for where you are today?
1: I think so. I, I do. I mean, there's no question that, um, there was an enormous, I I guess that's an interesting thing as well that I appreciated about Trinity Mm -hmm. is the focus was very holistic. So it wasn't about a very specific one path or one academic, um, pursuit, which is important. There's no question. Um, but it wasn't just a processing of, of students through then what we've defined and regulated in terms of requirements for an academic, Mm um, sort of success or certification of sorts, which I don't see is incredibly valuable, to be honest. There's a lot of people who've had excellent educations who lack the um, overall development in areas like eyes for other people and community um, needs and um, even just our own personal development. You know, I, I think that there has to be so much emphasis and focus on the whole self and universities just aren't set up for that, you know, and it's not even really anybody's fault so much as just, it's the nature of tens of thousands of students and professors who are brought together from all over the world and are really focused on a very narrow thing. Um, so I would say that outside of academics, I mean, academics is important, but it only does so much for anybody. Um, the thing that I think I learned and appreciate the most is we really focus on the whole self at Trinity and we learned to incorporate all of that in everything that we do. And I think that's invaluable and it's incredibly hard to teach and it's impossible to find in most traditional academic universities. It just, it's again, no one's fault. It's just not possible for the way they're structured.
0: Yeah. So could you give me a little flyover of your career? So like what your work has looked like, uh, I believe with, with blueprint, is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah. So I I actually started, um, I started January one of 2013. Um, and I came into what was at the time, the pendulum investment team. Um, we, have now rebranded and shifted ownership slightly into Pendulum Partners, but the the overall focus and vision is the same. Um, We've always described ourselves as non-traditional private equity. um, And we focus on high growth startups and operational turnarounds. So in the portfolio at any time, um, there's 3 to 7 businesses. Um, Some are real estate, some are manufacturing. Most of them right now certainly are technology-based um and most of them actually are startups right now um but ultimately our focus has been on acquiring businesses that are interesting to us and and are in crisis of sorts and bringing our skills to bear there um or again starting new businesses blueprint was one of those so i joined the pendulum team um with the focus of being a key um not only leader to launch blueprint but was the first employee officially um, Again, I started in January. We launched Blueprint officially in April um, of that year. And so I worked between January and April, building all the operational infrastructure to be able to run a business, everything from payroll and benefits and um, vendor and partner relationship development and procurement relationship development um, in the areas that we knew we were going to be focused for us. A huge part of our um, technology business in this market, of course, is Microsoft. So it was a key focus for us at the time. I started off then doing that, running end-to-end business operations. I then ended up uh, taking over... Well, I ended up unifying what, at the time, turned into um, recruiting, HR, client development operations, IT. uh, I had 2 other teams there. I can't remember. I'd have to take a look, but two other teams. And really, I I owned, oh, accounting and finance was one. Um, I owned all of the the core business operations as vice president of operations there for about two years. Um, As again, we involved, we evolved these little, these little teams into fully functioning business units. And then I put leaders in place and oversaw all the business units. Um, In that two year span, and I'm not talking about everything linearly, but, um, that was probably 2014 to 16, roughly Mm -hmm. in that two year span, um, we grew the company to over 800 employees. Um, yeah. And we did that in the first four years from me to 800, it was, um, It was busy so it was uh it was really cool Uh, you learn a lot in that process certainly about what it takes to scale and how to prioritize and how to also manage and empathize with people as they're going through what is sometimes a seemingly chaotic high velocity change um that was probably the best experience in terms of like a trial by fire and learn as you go that i've ever had um and it wasn't the only business I was focused on, but it was my primary focus blueprint, what has been for many years. Um, after that, I actually then developed a couple of key leaders to take over the operations team while I stepped over and I focused on solutions delivery. So we finally then established a core operating leadership team over our, well, our only revenue, which was our consulting business. Previously, we had operations sort of from a distance. Um, between operations and our client development team, we would manage the clients and then the people, but we really needed to actually mature into managing our solutions um, and looking at our delivery teams as not just people management in terms of that exercise, but also then um, developing our own proprietary solutions, optimizing them as we went into our clients and being able to repeat and accelerate those um, as new clients came on. So I focused on that, the technology solution side for another two years, I guess, before um, then I was asked to take on the role of executive vice, vice president overseeing the business end to end now.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yeah. And then uh, in that two year span too, we also started actually about two years ago now, we started uh, Sentinel, which is our data privacy company. And so I serve as president there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. It sounds like that's very exciting. Like you've had some really yeah. interesting experiences. Yeah. It's
1: been really cool. I know I've been, I've been very fortunate to actually be able to do all that. So really hard in ways and also really, really cool.
0: Do you have any maybe like words of advice or encouragement for young entrepreneurs who are wanting to get their business going or trying to get their feet wet in this field, but are a little bit unsure of how to do it?
1: Yeah. um, Well, right now, of course, is a really interesting time. I mean, I think, but it, it's very, I think it's also very opportunistic and very telling of of those who see an opportunity in that entrepreneurs um, naturally see opportunity in the middle of adversity. Naturally can actually find what they can do and what they can control and how they need to pivot or reinvent um, in the middle of what looks like crisis and usually stops most people in their tracks. Um, so I would say yes, don't be tone deaf to the current environment and what's going on. Um, Certainly don't just head down a path because it's been in your head for three years. If it doesn't make sense now, given everything that's changing, but also don't give up your dream of actually then creating something of value. Um, And, In fact, it can be informed so much better in a time like right now um, where you're forced to look at and reevaluate everything that you thought the world looks like and needed. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would just say, I think the thing that most people also at a tactical level underappreciate and undervalue is how much can be gained through stacking those constant small bits of effort. And by that, I mean really specifically you know, for most people, you can't just, it's not everybody, but most people, including myself, couldn't just leave a job to go and start something new and go to income zero. And certainly, even if you could do that for a time, that's usually pretty early in life. Um, when a lot of people have no business starting and running a business right away. <laughs> it's right. also yeah. very good to get some <laughs> experience first. Not necessary. Some people do it very well. But I do think that most people need a little real world experience first. Um, but then you, you know, you have children and you have other commitments and a mortgage and all these other things. And so that group that can actually go to income zero gets even smaller. So the ideas and, and the opportunity and the energy and the ability to execute something amazing does not reduce in that group. I think that it's important to look at what you can be doing in the evenings and on the weekends and just the very little bits of time to be creating constant momentum, um, there are very few people who see value in that and actually live that, who have the discipline and and the ability to see that that actually moves things forward and helps you leapfrog. And there's a concept. um, I actually think it's a Warren Buffett who wrote on in the book, snowball um, wrote about exactly that and compounding effort and what that looks like in terms of over time, just constant motion towards something that you're passionate about and you care about. And it may look like very little blocks of time throughout the week. But it actually, you'd be amazed how quickly you can leapfrog over others who are trying to, you know, simply stick to just unfocused, um, very rigid timeframes around things that they care not a ton about. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying because uh, I'm a a writer myself. Mm -hmm. So in my free time, I'm trying to write books and things. And I found that a lot of times waiting for inspiration and then writing when you have an inspiration, it just never happens. Exactly. But you need to like build the routine of like working a little bit each day. And yeah. then when a the moment of inspiration comes, you're that much more productive in that time slot that you already set. But yeah, we yeah, added bit by bit is the only way I've ever been able to finish anything.
1: <laughs> you're exactly right. It, it, it is discipline in the absence of motivation, which doesn't strike us miraculously every day by any means. <laughs> it takes discipline for sure.
0: Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people wait for those inspiration moments before we get anything done, but
1: then you'll be waiting for the rest of your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. How how have you been able to manage and navigate with the COVID-19 stuff?
1: You know, we're really fortunate to work in a knowledge and data economy. And so being a technology company, um, I know we're uniquely positioned and we're impacted and insulated, um, in a way that a lot of businesses aren't. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I have a lot of friends who run businesses that won't make it through this. There's no question. Um, yeah. The most challenging thing I think um, that I had to deal with and our company had to deal with was we had a number of projects um, which represented almost 500 employees that had on-site requirements and very particular security requirements for their work. Um, so over the course of one single weekend, me and a small group of others across the company essentially had to operationalize everybody um, in that group of 500 serving different clients to work from home without equipment because we weren't going to send them home with, you know, some of them were on desktops because desktops were really the best thing for that particular project. Um, some had laptops, but not everybody did. And so it was an, it was an interesting shift to the complexity of personal equipment, security requirements and protocols that had to change and go to the cloud and then changing the entire operating model for which we engaged and managed our employees. And that was only some of them. So it, it was a real challenge, but again, um, I know that we're, we're fortunate. We're very blessed to be able to still have all these people employed and working and productive and we're doing well right now there.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does seem like everything changed kind of over a weekend, right? It was it did. Friday was one way and then Monday was something completely different.
1: You're exactly right. It's so true. It's just crazy. And mm-hmm. so there's the human element of helping people adjust to that. But then also this, all of the logistics, which is just, it's, it's a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time. I just wanted to get kind of a flyover of your, your journey and, um, just hear, hear how you're doing with all of this. And so really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me and to give me a little update on, on your business and this whole, uh, 40 under 40 awards. Very, very exciting. Love hearing about these kinds of stories from from alumni who are making an impact where they're at.
1: Yeah. You have a cool job. That's great.
0: Yeah. I really like it. I really like it a lot.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you reaching out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. If there's ever anything that I can do or or Trinity can do to help, like, connect or promote anything that you're working on, just please let me know and happy to try to serve you the best that we can.
1: Definitely. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Bye. Take care.
1: You too.